the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. And I know you're asking, okay, where's the first song? I guess I'm changing things around on the antidote tonight because rather than just having one artist come for a visit, we have two excellent bands. And it's interesting how tonight's show came about. I've always received music charts. On one of them, I realized that I had had seven out of ten of them on the antidote for a talk. Two artists that I'd never met are here with me tonight. They have a lot of similarities. They both have debut releases out, they're both metal, and they're both on the same label, Rottweiler Records. That's where the similarities end. They are both Christian bands, but with very different styles and lyric content. At the half-hour mark, I'll be joined by frontman Jim Settle of the thrash metal band Hand of Fire. First comes the band members of 13 Minutes. Tulsa, Oklahoma's 13 Minutes have joined the Antidote. Guys, thanks for coming. Hey, it's our pleasure. Yeah, glad Glad to be be here. here. Before last year, I'd never heard of 13 Minutes. From the music you're putting out, it's pretty clear the band's got some background experience. Yeah, uh, me and Aaron, we've been playing together now going on six years. We are kind of a continuance of a former entity. We had uh, first a vocalist transition. That's when we brought Mike in. And then we've kind of developed from there. But once we had the vocalist transition, we changed names and kind of changed our sound. It was a good opportunity to uh, to rebrand ourselves. Well, you know, when I joined this project, it was really cool to just kind of see what it would do. And when we got our bass player, me and him had chemistry before when we met back in fifth grade. And we've known each other for quite a while. So it's a mix of two different bands. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, it kind of organically happened. You know, Aaron and I... Longtime bandmates, Mike and John, longtime bandmates, and uh, we came together, and uh, well, hopefully we're rewriting some history now. So you met in fifth grade, and now that you're in ninth grade, now it's professional. That's exactly right. I think Mike is a perpetual ninth grader, yes. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. (laughs) There must be a story behind the name 13 Minutes. Where does it come from? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. We uh, we prayed about a lot of different names, and one of the things that I learned, um, doctors say to be in good physical fitness condition, you need to work out 90 minutes a week. And I thought, well, you know, if you take 90, you divide it by 7, you come up with approximately 13 minutes. And as we were talking about it, we started discussing the parallels between the physical and the spiritual. God, of course, created this awesome body of ours, so you know, we challenged one another to get spiritually fit at a minimum 13 minutes a day, reading our scriptures, praying, uh, not just strengthen our physical body only, but also strengthen our spiritual one. I think Mike wants to tell you another. Yeah. Um, another thing in the U.S., somebody struggles with suicide every 13 minutes. Uh, as we've grown as a band, I've realized that we have two choices in this world. We can either die to ourselves and speak up about our weakness and let it define us and change us and be a powerhouse part of it. Or we can keep our mouth shut and play the victim. Really, the defining point there is who you're going to trust with that time. Are you going to trust yourself or are you going to leave it up to God and allow him to move forward and give you your heart desire? 
And then the final thing that we found that was pretty interesting is, you know, seven, of course, is the number of God, and six is the number of man, and six plus seven equals 13, seven being the following, doing what God can that man can't. So there has been a lot of thought put into the message we wanted to get out there. Now, if somebody was going to go searching for 13 minutes, you got to explain how to find you. You know, we fought with that because not a lot of people use Roman numerals anymore. So if you look at some of the earlier promo stuff that we had, it was it was spelled out a 13. But as uh, we developed it, I'm like, nah, let's just go ahead and go to the Roman numeral, make it interesting. Plus, it looks really cool. So there's the shallow part of it. <laughs> there's definitely that. But then when you get enough uh, people that are trying to follow you that come up and ask if you're political because 13 minutes of lying comes up on YouTube and brings Hillary Clinton. Actually, it does. If you oh, don't believe yeah. me, go ahead and type 13 minutes on YouTube. <laughs> You'll get the Hillary Clinton video, 13 minutes of lying by Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm definitely not going to be hunting for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was the Roman numerals. How about we switch to ancient Greece? I handed up the meaning for the song name, Machera. Ah! And it's a type of sword used in Greece. How did the idea come around for that song? Okay, so it was actually really awesome. A lot of times what I'll do... Um, I'll uh, envision something after I hear somebody speak it and it makes an impact in my life. And uh, for that song specifically, I noticed that there was a whole lot of Christian ease that was out there, but nothing that was really about the full armor of God in a way that somebody could really relate with it. And so a lot of the meaning behind Machera was that close quarter battle, that weapon um, was used. I just feel like there's a lot of people that struggle um, it's in that lyric. Um, if you're struggling to survive, it's a selfish question. Three merge three is the armor of God. You've got the helmet, the breastplate, gospel sandals. And then when you merge the next three, you've got your sword, your shield. And um, I'm off one. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had explained. Yeah, that's right. It kudos to you for looking up Machera. Um, a lot of people think it's mascara. So. Oh, mascara. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a sharp blade that's used for close combat.
that mascara might fit because when I first saw a picture of you guys, <laughs> I was thinking you've got shirts, you've got ties, and no, you're not actually wearing the mascara, so you're not a glam metal band. <laughs> but I was thinking you guys are supposed to be metal. You just took that picture to make your mothers happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, me and Aaron, well, we can we can harken back several years. We've gone through a, a lot of different attire options. Some of them not so good. Um, jumpsuits, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we started looking at uh, like uh, Stone Sour has some really cool pictures um, where they're kind of dressed up. And um, I was looking at, uh, gosh, was it 2011 Circa in Flames? You know, they were dressed up in their ties. And we're like, man, that looks sharp. So we decided to give them a whirl. Uh, now, if you look at our current picture, you'll see the ties have been retired. We've also transitioned into other attire as well. But I think moms were happy. But they were extravagant. We do look pretty. Yeah, John wasn't there yet. John's not that pretty. <laughs> and he doesn't own a tie? Probably doesn't. <laughs> I do. Oh, oh, do you own a tie, really? I really do. <laughs> From the last part of our talk, we've already determined that you are not a glam metal band. I've heard your sound being described as being groove metal, but I don't really think that covers what you're doing. How do you see it? Well, actually, let me answer the question with a question. I'd like unbiased reports. What do you hear? You're indefinable. You've got a bit of everything. Amen. If you pay any attention to my posts, you'll see I make a lot of fun of people who are genre-specific. People seem to want to have to define you and put you in some kind of box to make you feel comfortable. You know, it's gent, it's metalcore, it's whatever. Progressive gent metalcore. Progressive gent metalcore. <laughs> We all come from different backgrounds of sound, and it's challenging sometimes to craft the product that we all hear, but I think the end result definitely has, has been worth it. Well, the result being is that you're getting a lot of attention. The music from 13 Minutes is making a lot of headway on the music charts. What is it about your music that's getting people's attention? I think it's the ability to transcend genre, as you were saying. Um, we got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. One of the things that I've always been fond of is music that you can actually sing to, music that's got a hook. I know sometimes when it comes to metal, there are parts where you don't understand the lyrics, um, but then you got that one line that you can't get out of your head, and that's the thing you carry with you. Um, I think if you listen to each song with the exception of maybe self-portrait, you're going to get that hook line that you can't stop singing once you turn the song off. 13 minutes doesn't seem to like taking the typical route for anything. You opted out of releasing a debut EP and instead you went for two-sided singles. Mm -hmm. What was with that? You just wanted to tease your fans? <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, I will say three out of four of us were not on board with the Digital 45. But um, we will blame Sean Browning for the yeah, idea. Sean said, you know something? He said, Kanye West is not releasing oh, full God. lengths anymore. Now, love or hate Kanye, Kanye is one of the biggest artists in the world. And basically, if it's working for Kanye, let's give it a try. It's an old idea. Um, honestly, I remember being a kid. And when you couldn't really afford to go buy a full length, they had the little 45 albums you could buy for a buck. And so you wanted that one song you heard on MTV, you got that little 45 and you played the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, so really, it's, a, it's an updated concept of an old idea. And I will have to give credit to Sean Browning because I certainly didn't think of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
This is Jamie from 13 Minutes, and you are listening to The Answer. minutes with Fragile from one of their digital singles. Next up, the band speaks about the motivation for their songwriting. You spoke earlier about being Christian. Obviously, you've got a solid faith. I guess the one issue that comes up is that music that comes from a Christian perspective is often considered as being simplistic. And I don't see that with your lyrics, like on the song Sibling Rivalry. The rich is so deceiving, I am what is poor. If you don't give it to me, hate what will rule what you ignore. Positioning the fallen countenance through a better word than the blood of Abel. Is that the best route to go deeper? You know, I think it depends. Um, Really, Holy Spirit inspiration um, is really what we follow. Um, Mike, he does a really, really good job at um, doing his due diligence with wording and and scriptural study. And it's always been my desire, really, to make people ask questions. If you are a a part of the family of faith, I think there are some things that are very evident. But it also transitions, the, I guess, the faith lines where 
if you don't believe in God or you, you got a casual relationship with God, you can still enjoy the music and maybe, just maybe, hey, what's that about? So when you're creating a song and, you know, you're going through different things and, and it's really funny because a lot of those lyrics um, would come to mind and I'd write them and then later in different Bible studies or coming up and look at stuff, uh, people's shirts, all sorts of different inspirations would just show up. And uh, it was something I prayed about in, in the midst of that. It just it, it laced itself together. And I remember just praying and asking God to, to reveal and, and put me in a spot to where I could use these. And um, I wrote it. And then before you knew it, it was uh, some stuff that was fairly deep. And um, what Jamie said about Holy Spirit working in it, I think, is the main thing. But when you talk about a crowd, you know, half these people that don't listen to the Christian music or don't do those types of things have no idea what some of those things are, but can relate to words about, you know, hate will rule what you ignore. You know, when people are ignored and not positioned in a spot to believe in themselves, I mean, it, it just relates with the human condition. And I think that's important, relatability. I think uh, Cain and Abel, you know, is, is a tried and true story, even though it's found in the Bible. I think you know, sibling rivalry is something many of us can relate to. And whether we believe or whether we don't believe, we can uh, kind of grab a hold of that concept of comparison, jealousy, envy, things of that. And I think it's a good opportunity and a good vehicle to strike a further conversation with people. I'm going to put you guys really on the spot here. Is sure. 13 minutes simply a tool to evangelize the masses? I would say there is more to it. And we were just having this conversation before you called. Uh, my goal as an artist has never been to necessarily evangelism, um, not direct evangelism anyway. I believe there's better methods for evangelizing than a band. Um, I would say that it's a little bit more complex than that. I think if people you know, find the music interesting, great. If they want to know more, great. But ultimately... Our desire is to create and craft good art. Because um, I don't necessarily want to be called a good Christian band, as opposed to a good band. Um, you've read all the lyric sheets, so you know that we don't follow um, the JPM rule, the Jesus per minute rule. Um, <laughs> so we want to give a little bit more depth. But really, the evangelization—you have great bands that go into that kind of field. We're not—we're not those guys. You know, we want to play in the secular scene as um, as much as we play in the Christian scene. So we want to be transitional in that. Really, we can say all we want on stage. We can create these eloquent lyrics. But if we don't love one another, then really none of it really matters anyway. So our demeanor off stage is much more important to us and how we interact with people. The simple premise of love God, love others. And I don't know if you can you put love and evangelism in the same thing. I guess some people would. But I consider love just kind of a natural extension of the Christian life. You don't have to beat people on the head with scripture. You don't have to bring them to an altar call. You can simply just listen to them. Music opens doors to people, and people truly are at the heart of God. Christians typically make music for other Christians, and, and there, is, there is a niche for that. Um, there is always going to be a segment that that's what they want. They want the simple music. They want Jesus saying in every song. However, the world is a lot bigger place than our Christian circles. We want to create good art. Our art, because of who we are and what we believe, will always direct toward the creator. We want to transcend what would be just played on standard Christian radio. 
I think the message of God is bigger than a niche. You know, we have a story to tell, and it's plain and simple, and we do it through art. be obsessive here you get to find out the answer 13 minutes has the song obsessed it says when there's something hard to question beating wrong in my chest i'm obsessed what's the biggest obsession in the life of the guys in 13 minutes 
you know, writing that song, I was obsessed with completing the art to the best of my ability in excellence. And uh, I just had a difficult time actually producing any lyrics. And I just sat in this room and I just kept asking. And before you know it, I was screaming the words, I'm obsessed. And uh, I think the obsession with that song and with this band is to get people to question everything. The question, do you believe in God? Do you not believe in God? Do you struggle with suicide? Are you telling people stuff? Are you listening to this music? Do you care if we're this? As we get people to come out of that comfort zone, kind of like you're talking about, you push those boundaries, these people realize they got some of the same questions that Christians have. You know, it's not what defines us by our religion. We're individual people. We're made in this image, whether they agree or not. And from there, you can become obsessed with knowing truth. And Mike, I will just tell you, Mike is our loopy one in the band. <laughs> and so some of those lyrics that you read, you're going to sit there and read over and over again and go, what is he talking about? Um, now, another fun fact about Obsessed, our last show that we played, I mean, I was floored um, when kind of the breakdown in the middle comes on where we're just lightly singing, I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed. I mean, it's a great hook. I mean, the crowd latches onto that and it was just cool to hear the whole crowd, you know, singing with us. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. So that's the fun part of it. We've heard the singles from 13 Minutes. What comes next? Well, we are in the studio right now as we speak, uh, finishing out our final Digital 45. We're finalizing the artwork concept, which is going to go in line with the other three. There's always a an intricate message woven in, and a lot of it is based around the song lyrics that you'll find on at least one of the songs on the on the digital 45 so we're uh, wrapping up the final song on that as we speak um from there we are going to hole up in the studio a little bit longer and finish out the remaining part of the full length which should be releasing before audio feed festival um, which will be up at in july in illinois um we have an ensuing tour that is being planned right now for uh, early july time frame um to uh just kind of support the full-length release. So that's really everything on our radar right now is getting geared up for the summer. Guys, I've really enjoyed this talk. Thanks for coming and meeting with The Antidote. Hey, it has been our pleasure, Dave. Thank you so much Thanks, for taking Dave. a few moments of your time. And uh, I love the line of questioning, so it's been fun.
I totally get why Obsessed is a crowd favorite. I mean, that's a really catchy track. Earlier on on The Antidote, I promised you thrash metal. Hand of Fire are really on top with their new release, Nuclear Sunrise. Here's my talk with vocalist Jim Settle. Jim Settle of Hand of Fire has come for a talk on The Antidote. Jim, great to have a chance to meet up with you. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me on this show. I'm excited. I first heard of you, Jim, when I got into the music of Tantrum of the Muse. That was a wild band with a really unique style. Yeah, that was uh, many, many years ago. and uh, But that was definitely something that, you know, kind of helped me uh, get along in my career, for sure. Well, as you said, Tantrum the Muse was a long, long time ago. Now you've formed the thrash metal band Hand of Fire. Was that a switch in style for you, or were you always a metal guy? Well, you know, I was always a thrash guy, and when I got into Tantrum of the Muse, I tried to implement some of that as well. So I came from, like, the whole sacrament believer era, and they were all my friends, and we'd, you know, hang out and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I came from that thrash era. So getting back into, you know, writing my own material, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Tantrum and the Muse. I love creating crazy music. And, and, of course, I played bass then, but now I sing. You know, I'm best at singing, you know, metal. And Hand of Fire comes from the heart of thrash, the Bay Area of California. Exactly. Yeah, we're right here with Death Angel and Exodus and all those guys, and uh, we're right here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Did that make it intimidating for you to start a new band in the home of Thrash? No, because in the home of Thrash, I mean, you know, 20 years ago when Slayer, Metallica, all these bands came out, these bands are pretty old, you know? And so, you know, I started going out to shows, looking at what was out there. There's a lot of hardcore, a lot of punk. There's some thrash, not that good. And I really believed that I could do a way better job. And, and it wasn't just about that. Of course, it's about changing the lives. But, of course, you got to be respected in the music industry, especially here first. You know, then you can start changing some lives. People start listening to you when they respect you, you know. 20 years ago, that's when thrash had almost died. Well, yeah. Is there a resurgence happening? Oh, yeah. I, I think here in the Bay Area, which they're, you know, more known for, you know, it's there's a lot of thrash bands that are out here, but it hasn't been that wowzer band. And uh, Well, up until Hand of Fire came along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, now we're like in the studio with Juan Urtiago, who's the producer of Testament, you know, and Exodus and all these thrash bands. And it was just really weird for me because it's like, wow, here I am in this studio with this guy who's done all these major bands and he loves our band. And yeah, that was the start of it all for sure. What's really cool is how much attention Hand of Fire's debut release, Nuclear Sunrise, has been getting. Yeah. Were you surprised by the response? Yes, I was surprised because I was very nervous to release this, but I spent a lot of time writing this and a lot of heart went into this. And, you know, when you put 100% into something, you're bound to get, 
you know, at least 50% out. And with this, you know, just writing and just spending my time on trying to make the best music that I could. So it was a surprise that, yes, people liked it, but just the wow response that we've gotten and all the other things that have came along with it because Tiago, my guitar player, just joined that whole Dale Thompson new project, Paranoia. You know, now I'm the singer of Vengeance Rising. So it's like there's a lot of things that kind of came out of that, and I just feel blessed. You said you put a lot of heart into this release. You also put a lot of harshness into the release. I mean, I did. the album's a rough ride. It seems like you've got a lot of topics that make you angry. A main one being the church itself on Burn It Down. What's the I agree. issue? Um, you know, since I was a little kid, I was raised in a very strict Christian home. Uh, but they were very hypocritical. And I'm not going to go into detail with that. But it was something that I really saw through my teenage years going, you know what? What my parents are doing is totally wrong, but yet they're very strict with God. We'd go to these churches and I've seen pastors, you know, raise money for the churches and then just take off. But I came to realize I can't rely on people. I had to rely on God. But when it comes to writing music and writing what my feelings are about and, you know, putting my heart into it, I think that's what makes a good record is when somebody puts lyrics that's true in their stories. Um, I think that's why things turn out to be good. You know, with Burn It Down, it's truth. And when truth hits, you know, people hopefully think about it. These are churches that I came from, but I'm talking about burning down the modern church. And I don't mean setting it on fire, you know, I'm talking about getting rid of it, you know, because there's a lot of churches that come up these days that's about marketing, about money. It's about running a business, you know, when they lose people, congregation, you know, they try to keep these people in and doesn't matter what they've done or what they do or, you know, they try to keep it for the money. And these are churches, for some reason, I've always found. And that's basically what I was writing about, you know, was the uh, churches that come up, you know, and just thrive off of money. That's basically what that's about. Then what would you say the alternative is? You know, is going back to what Jesus did. You know, Jesus would show up in a town somewhere and start preaching and gathering people that way. And it wasn't a church where you would come together on the one roof every Saturday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, and these churches take hold of your life for years on end where people want to do stuff, but basically the church is teaching them and they really don't do anything. And I've seen this so many times and it's all about what the church wants to do and what they tell you you should do. And I'm kind of done with that. I'm just basically here in the Bay Area. It's going out and it like hand of fire. My bass player and drummer were not Christians when I brought them into this band. And they're Christians now. And basically, it's showing that love. It's not about money. It's not about marketing. It's not about church. I believe church is good for you to be around Christians but I don't believe that a church should take hold of these people's lives for years on end. And 
listening to somebody when I could be out doing something. I'm a doer. Jim spoke about the song, Here It Comes, Burn It Down from Hand of Fire. Burn down, yeah, I'm gonna let it 
nuclear sunrise goes into the end times on the prophecy. Do you personally feel that we're on the brink of those times? You know, that's a really hard question because I do and I don't. I feel like, you know, with the whole ISIS situation and people, they start going after the Christians, you know, you can take a look at that. You can see the rumors of wars going on. You can see Trump being elected and the whole Jerusalem thing coming to pass. There's a lot of things, you know, but I don't think that we're actually there yet. You know, this is what's to come. Jim, you've disappointed me, man. I thought you were going to come up with a date for me. No, I don't know. You know, (laughs) no, I have no dates at all. But prophecy is about the signs of the end times and the consequences, according to to the book Revelations. So and, and it's taken straight from there. And it wasn't written like we're in that time. It's more of I'm looking at these signs, you know, and it could be the beginning. I don't know. Only God knows when he's coming back. And uh, we don't know really when these times are coming, but prophecy is basically written around what's to come and what's going to happen. This is Jim from Hand of Fire, and you're listening to The Antidote with Dave. Forgiveness, the prophecy. 
there was the prophecy from Hand of Fire. I don't agree with Jim Settle that the solution to problems in the church is to do away with it. But as Christians, we don't have to always agree. It's obvious he's gone through issues that I've never run into. And there's no way anyone can negate anyone else's faith journey. We've all walked different paths. The Antidote comes back next week with a look into two very different ways that worship music can fit into our culture. Sam John brings some insight into the Church Underground, Canada's first metal church. Then we move to Canada's eastern tip and the city of St. John's, Newfoundland, the home of alt-worship band Informants. Be sure to tune in. Up next is more of my chat with Jim Settle of Hand of Fire, and to close up the night, reap what you sow from their Nuclear Sunrise album. And we'll see you next time. Another topic Hand of Fire brings out on the song Reap What You Sow is people accepting the negativity handed out in the media. But who really has the real problem? Is it the media itself or is it us being apathetic in our society? I think it's both. You're not going to cast more blame on one than the other? No, you know, I'm not a blamer guy. You know, I don't really like to point the finger but you know we do we reap what we sow this album is about choice free will and the consequences of our choices between good and evil we can choose to start a war we can choose to end the war we can choose to love we can choose to hate we can choose to worship god or deny god there's so many choices in life and these choices if you think about it make up a person some people choose to do hard drugs and from those hard drugs they lose their families, they end up homeless, and that's their consequence. They say you are what you eat, but really, it's the choice of eating five-course meals a day, and the consequence is now you're 450 pounds, you know? But the thing is, is this album is written around, it's in the word, we reap what we sow from the choices we make. But it's clear Hand of Fire is wanting to sway people's opinions and choices that they make through Nuclear Sunrise. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we want people to make the right choice. You know, people can choose to do what they will. Let's bring it into a nutshell. What do you think the biggest issue is that we have in the world right now? Love. We don't love each other like God wants us to love. I don't see churches loving people the way they should love, or even Christians on Christians loving each other. And that is my biggest issue. You know, when Rottweiler wanted to sign us, you know, we had Nuclear Blast, we had Metal Blade, we had a lot of different labels who wanted to work with us. And I chose Rottweiler, not only because of Sean, I love Sean, but I seriously was by a campfire alone and i asked god i said hey what is it you want me to do in this christian industry i want to go out and save souls yeah i want to go out and witness the exodus and death angel and all these people we we know what do you want me to do in the christian industry i don't want to play christian shows i don't even want to be a part of that and really god hit me and you know just said hey i need you to show these christians how to love and i'm really good at that when I go out to reach people, that's the first thing I start with is loving them. You know, like my bass player and my drummer is loving them. You know, these guys didn't feel loved. And, you know, after six months of just loving on them, 
bringing them in the hand of fire. Yeah, we're it's a Christian band. I'm writing about you know Christian music and stuff like that. They want nothing to do with God, you know. But after six months, they wanted everything to do with God. And really, it's basically about loving people because people are so negative today, and even Christians. Sometimes Christians just need to see the reality of things, you know, because people get stuck. Not that it's wrong. They get stuck in the word, you know, and they get stuck where they, they just don't see anything on the outside, you know, of like what's going on. And they're just very close minded about things, especially when it comes to scripture. You know, well, God says, I can't do this. I, you know, I'm not going to hang with you because you drink or I'm not going to hang with you because you smoke or I'm not going to hang with you because you do drugs. But these are the people that need to be loved. So I feel getting back into this whole thing is showing people how to love. By taking on that Christian label, signing to a, basically a Christian-focused record label, is that yeah. going to close doors for you? No. You know why? Because my God is bigger than that. And if God wants this to go you know, worldwide and it's going to go worldwide, I don't think it matters. You know, we just saw... You know, Megadeth, the bass player, Dave Ellison, the other day, you know, who he was excited to purchase the album from us. And, uh, you know, and he owns two labels. And hopefully, you know, be willing to work with Sean, you know, on these things. So, you know, there's a lot of things in the works. But my God is bigger than, you know, hey, I'm in the Christian industry. I don't think doors are going to be open. If God wants them open, they're going to be open. End of story. Do you think that Christians are really ready for the kind of statement Hand of Fire makes on Nuclear Sunrise? I mean, I think, well, we need to be ready for something like that. We've had our time in church. See, a lot of people that I know have been Christians for a long time, you know, and they're set in their ways. And I think it's time for a change. And Hand of Fire is the wake-up call. I don't know for the wake-up call, but, you know, I'm definitely calling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, you know. But, again, somebody can tell me I'm totally wrong with this whole thing, and that's okay. Again, it's about choice and free will. I'm 49 years old, and I've been playing music since I was 18. So when it comes to music and writing lyrics and this and that, they take it and they go, oh, this album's great. And they start listening to the lyrics and they go, oh, you know, this guy is off his rocker or he guy's dead on. But I feel throughout my experiences in life, and that's all I've written about in Nuclear Sunrise. And even the title of the album, even our name, Hand of Fire, all comes from experiences in life. Hopefully Christians all continue to grow in their faith as they age. Exactly. This has been great having a chance to speak with you, Jim. Thanks so much for coming on The Antidote. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Dave.